Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As the lyrics go, came the day and came the hour. With hearts of steel, we watched Ireland triumph over South Africa last night. We are so lucky to have so many legends and icons on the show. And here's the third week in a row with an Irish icon, because for some of us, retirement might seem like so far in the future, we're not really thinking that way yet. For some people, they don't believe in retiring at all. And the writer of Ireland's Call is one of those. He marked his 80th birthday with the release of a memoir telling the stories of writing for Cliff Richard and Elvis Presley, 29 platinum, 39 gold, 52 silver discs, Ivor Novellan Awards, Grammy nominations, you name it. He's got a new single out, which is a version of Steal Away in Ukrainian, and he's on national tour coming to Cork on the 5th of October. So chatting to Phil Coulter, sure, I commented, there's just no stopping him. Never want to lie down and never want to resist a challenge. I'm no. Well, if they ever thought they were going to get rid of me, you know, by just giving me the freedom of the city of Derry and then having this kind of mass epic sing-along of 3,000 people <laughs> singing the town love show, I'm sure there were good, sensible people who said, well, that's the end of him. I mean, surely he can now kind of retreat into the, into, into, <laughs> but, into the shadows and leave us all alone. But no. I was going to say, you're like Columbo. You know, the way Columbo come back in and go, and, and one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. That's me. No, I tell you what, my hero, Elmery, is, is Clint Eastwood. And he was asked recently, how come, you know, you're now, what, he must be like 90 or thereabouts, and he's still directing movies, starring in movies. He's still as active as ever. And and the question he was asked was, um, how do you keep doing that when you're kind of, you know, so advanced in years? Clint, Clint Stanton was brilliant. He said, I don't let the old man in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't let the old man in. That's me. I don't let the old man in. Yeah. I, you know, when I hit 80, people were saying, does it feel any different to be 80? I said, Jesus, it doesn't feel any different from when I hit 70. And indeed, doesn't, I can't remember that it felt any different when I hit 60. But it's a state of mind, you know. I mean, there are people who, who kind of roll over and think, oh, well, that's it. You know, it's done. I get with the, the pipe and the pajamas and, the, and my slippers and I'm done. Not me. I, 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 I'm relishing the fact that, you know, we're about to embark on another 30-something dates between now and, uh, and New Year's Eve. So it's great. It's great for me that, I'll tell you, there's two things over which I don't have much control. One is my health. Thanks be to God. Um, I've never had any major health issues. So I'm kind of capable physically of, of doing this yet. Um, the second one is, as long as people keep buying tickets, you know, as long, long as people keep turning up to hear what I do, 
then, you know, I'll keep, I, I, when they stop doing that, Elmer, I think I'll get the memo, you know, that maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I should have, I may have, may have packed it all in. But so far, thanks be to God, they keep coming. I am just amazed and so, so touched. And I think an awful lot of people are very, very moved by the idea of your collaboration with the Ukrainian community. Yeah. And you actually learned a bit of this song in Ukrainian. Oh, I, 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 was, I was fluent for all of 16 bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, it was, I have to say, as you well know, I'm a long time on the road. I have had a lot of experiences uplifting and deflating along the along the way. But I, I can't think of anyone that's been more heartwarming and more inspirational than than, than uh, this project with the with the Ukrainian choir. You know, it's like everything else. We've all now become a bit immune to statistics. You know, we hear that the, the war is still rumbling on in Ukraine is grinding and grinding and grinding. But what we tend to forget is when you reduce that down to like individual situations, individual families, like in this kind of situation, there were like 40 women who had left behind husbands, fathers, brothers fighting on the, on the front line. And just in chatting to those girls, like a number of them just lost everything, their, their homes, all of their all that they possessed were all reduced to rubble. So they have nothing, literally nothing there. Some of them actually were, well, Mariupol, you know, which was one of the worst when, they, when most of the people had to live underneath the steelworks. These people have had real, real trauma. So when I'm sitting at the piano and they arrive for their first rehearsal, and God love them, they covered from far north, south, east and west. Like the, the, the ladies from Kerry had been had, had got on a bus at like 4.30am to come up to Dublin for the rehearsal. But when I see those ladies coming into the rehearsal space and I see the light in their eyes as they're recognising, you know, all the Ukrainians, they're hugging each other, they're chatting away, they're drinking tea and coffee and they're being respected. You know, they're in an environment that they, that they would consider to be, I suppose, glamorous, but it's exciting. It's certainly more exciting than the locations they would find themselves in. I mean, some of those some of those women would be like living in a hotel room with a couple of kids. Others would be in some kind of hostels or whatever it might be. So, I mean, you know, we, as a nation, we have been very warm and welcoming for sure. But the reality is, the reality is their life is very humdrum, very dull and without very much light at the end of the tunnel. So this project was just, for me, inspirational. When I first heard those ladies sing Steal Away in Ukrainian, I mean, I just melted. Elmer. Yeah. I just, I felt tears running down my cheek of course, because yeah. I'm looking at them with all of that trauma behind them, still worried about their, about their menfolk, but they're singing their hearts out. They sing it in English and in Ukrainian. It was just, I tell you, inspirational. Everywhere, all over the world is listening to Phil Coulter these days because every time Ireland play, we're listening to Ireland's Call, of course, as well. Um, are you a big rugby fan yourself? Well, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm a passive rugby fan. You know what I mean? I'll watch <laughs> it on TV, but I'll, I'll not kind of beat my way through hordes of people to get into Lansdowne Road or, or stand in the rain. You know, in that much, I'm a, I, I suppose, 
I'm a bit of a phony. People assume, I mean, to the extent that Murray, people assume I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a rugby fan that, that when a big international is coming up, I get acquaintances who'll call me, ask me if I can organise them tickets. Uh-huh. You know, geez, <laughs> lads, wait a minute, all I did was write a song, you know, uh-huh. I mean, look, it is funny enough, I've had some nice uh, messages during the World Cup from, from people who have said, you know, after all these years, the, the, the song is a kind of an anthem. An all inclusive. That was the whole. That was that was the commission. You know, right? Just right and anthem. That's all inclusive. That that was my brief, because well, you know, historically the squad would have included a number of players from the north. Still does, like from Ulster, and indeed in the stands, the spectators would have been largely would have been a large, large, large chunk of them would have been from Ulster. And here's the fact: rugby in the north of Ireland, in the main, is played in non-Catholic schools. In Catholic schools, it would be GAA and, and soccer in the main. So therefore, the rugby players who excel in Ulster and get to a level where they're going to be representing Ireland are from the unionist persuasion, the non-Catholic persuasion. And for them, um, they perceive themselves to be British rather than Irish. For them, Iron Navin is not their national anthem. Now, people might not agree with that, but you have to respect it, that's for sure. So the IRF, you commissioned me to write a song that would, you know, would be all inclusive. Hands across the border was a kind of, was a sort of mantra at the time. And although in the early days, I got a serious amount of flack, you know. Did uh, you? Really? A lot of people, oh God, yeah. Wow. I mean, to this day, to this day, I mean, if you just look on, on YouTube with the most recent outing with the lads, and there's a, there's a YouTube video of, of, of the lads all giving it socks and Ireland's call. And the comments on that are still, the big rudgers are coming out of the woodwork. Again, people saying, this is not our national anthem. This is a pop song. Our anthem is a soldier song. We know all of that. But all I know is when I hear, when I hear a, a packed Aviva stadium singing Ireland's call, That'll do me. I think anyone who can't see beyond the fact that it was created to be exactly as you described, a hands across the border and a hands across traditions yeah. and a song like that, you know, is um, is missing the whole point of all of that. And I would have looked at it as a song of celebration. God, Phil, you've done so much. I'm really annoyed on your behalf now that you would be getting flack for that. Instead, let's focus on a much nicer, happier, joyful thing. Four score and then you're kicking off yeah. an amazing tour with like, I don't know how many, 23 dates between now and Christmas. Oh, more. <laughs> 30, 30, more, getting closer to 40 now as are, as are being added. Uh, yeah, wow. our last one is, suitably enough, our last one, I think, is in Bantry on the 31st of December. So we're back in Cork again. But of course, we're kicking it off in the Opera House. And as you know, as, as I've told you many times when we've chatted, the Opera House in Cork is one of my favourite places to play. Because, simple thing, that audience know their music. They know their music. They appreciate the music. They appreciate the subtleties. They appreciate like what's gone into the, the, the writing and the arranging, etc. And they, they celebrate. I mean, there is nothing, nothing like a full house in the Cork Opera House singing along. That's just... I mean, I'll never forget the very first time that I played Cork. I've probably told you this story before, but early days... When I was on the road first after the success of Tranquility, we did three like experimental concerts to begin with. One in Derry, I thought that was a safe bet. One in Belfast and one in Dublin, and and they worked. So we went back and did a week in uh, in the Gaiety Theatre, and it was it was sold out. It was terrific. But then I heard like from the Dublin the Wisecrack, ah Jesus, Cork, Anna, they're funny down there, you know. And they kind of put the fear of God in me, saying the Cork people were a bit strange. And so I I approached the Cork. With a little bit, but haven't been intimidated by these Dubliners telling me that Cork people were weird. Anyway, from my very first time, I have to tell you, when I finished, I, th- I remember very, very well, I finished the set with a tribute to Sean O'Reilly, mm-hmm. followed by Ireland's Call. 
and the place just went mental. Yeah. But here's the, the side the, st- the side story to that was afterwards, the stage doormat said to me, <laughs> he, said, he was having a great night, I said, but he said, Jesus, I said, if you had played the banks, you would have wrecked the place. <laughs> now, I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, and I said, the what? He said, the banks. So I made about Disney. He sang me a bit of, of the banks. Oh, the banks are my own lovely day. This is true. The following morning, I arranged for him to come in and sing the song for me, and I wrote it all down in the opera house on the piano on stage. And between that kind of ten o'clock in the morning and early afternoon, I had done a quick arrangement for the strings, called an early rehearsal. So that night we put the banks of my own lovely Lee in the set, and your man was absolutely right; it did direct the place. So <laughs> it was from the from you know I have for early days. It's been a kind of love affair, honest to God. I mean, I, I've had some some. Some stunning, stunning nights in, in the opera. And you know, now we're not worried at all, Phil, like, so fair play to you. Like. <laughs> well, well, it just, I mean, uh, I, I never, as I said earlier on, I never take that following for granted. You can't, you know, because I would never fall into that trap of so many uh, aspiring entertainers or perform- that because they're talented or because they've had a few hits, they're entitled you're entitled to nothing. You're not entitled to, to like a full house this year because you had a full house last year. You're not entitled to a standing ovation this year because you got one last year. No, no. You've got to earn that stuff. Your talent entitles you to nothing. Your talent gets you into the game. It's the hard work, the application and the resilience that actually keeps you in it. More party, Phil. It's fantastic talking to you again. The 5th of October is when it all kicks off in Cork Opera House and uh, go and wreck the place. <laughs> Always a pleasure, sweetheart. Take good care of yourself. Bye-bye. That is something else indeed, isn't it? That is Phil Coulter and he will be in the Cork Opera House on the 5th of October and no doubt we are going to be singing Ireland's Call with greatest of gusto as we face into Scotland next.